Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all here. And uh, it's beautiful to see the youth here. We love you. You're awesome. Uh, as been mentioned, if you're new here, uh, we're so excited. We're looking forward to meeting you. And we really hope this might be a church where you feel uh, you can become a member of the family and be a part of our mission, our vision to be light for the city, to see God's kingdom come, his will being done at this time on the earth. Now, I feel like we stand up here a fair bit at the moment and say, what an extraordinary week we have lived through. On Thursday, Queen Elizabeth II, after serving faithfully as monarch for 70 years, died. And incredibly, just two days before she died, she played her part in welcoming and appointing a new prime minister, Liz Truss. And so we gather here today with not only a new prime minister, but also a new king, King Charles III. And so if ever there were a moment for the people of God to gather and pray, it's now. And I, I want to take a few moments to reflect on the life of Queen Elizabeth, to reflect on a few attributes that I believe she was inspired by the life of Jesus Christ. And I hope they can inspire us. But also, I want to just share a few reflections on what I believe God is calling us to in these momentous days. Whatever you might think about the monarchy, and I'm aware we'll all have different viewpoints and opinions here, but I think we can all agree that the Queen's life and legacy has had a profound impact on our nation and beyond. Tributes and condolences have been coming in from all over the world. And for almost all of our lives, she has been a constant presence in an ever-changing world. I imagine there are very few here who remember a time before uh, Queen Elizabeth was queen. But of course, no one was perfect. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of forgiveness and mercy. And of course, there are things in our nation's history during her reign that have caused deep pain and deep hurt to many. But all that said, today's a moment where we gather to celebrate and to thank God for Queen Elizabeth and to look at ways that we can be inspired by her, her life and legacy. And the first thing I've been struck by, as we have heard so much in the media, is her servant nature. The Queen saw that leadership and influence was ultimately about service. In her letter, uh, her platinum letter to the nation recently, she signed it off with these words, Your servant Elizabeth, in a world of so much ego, influences leaders desperate to be celebrated all over the world at a time where so many in positions of authority are making terrible decisions, are leading lives, trying to build their own kingdoms and empires, trampling over whoever to get to the top, the queen's life 
of service to the people she reigned over was stunning. But in her Christmas address in 2012, the Queen shared who her ultimate inspiration was, why she felt this call to be a servant and live a selfless life. And she says this, This is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve and not be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, the most glorious person to ever walk the earth, the great designer who spoke creation into being, the one who rules and reigns from everlasting to everlasting. When he stepped into the mess of humanity, when he interacted with the people that he himself had created, he took the nature of a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He sat and he ate with the marginalized and forgotten. He reached out and touched and healed the lepers. He lived his life empowering people to live big, bold lives. And he showed us that true love and true leadership is expressed by being a servant. And so the challenge today for each and every one of us is how are we living as servants? Surrendered to Christ, laying down our own agendas, our own ego, our own ambitions. Surrendered to the call of Jesus Christ to live as servants to him and to people around us. I wonder what does servant leadership look like in your places of work, your places of study, amongst your families and your friends. Because the way of Jesus is the way of service. Second thing I've been struck by regarding the Queen's life is her steadfastness. Year after year, she kept going. 70 years, taking on this crown that she probably didn't really want to have to carry in the first place. But through good times and bad times, through war, through family breakups, through ill health, through the loss of loved ones, through disappointment. When she was celebrated, when she was criticized, she kept on going. In 1937, when her father, King George VI, uh, was to be crowned, an editorial in the Times said this, said, successful kingship relies not upon intellectual brilliance or superlative talent of any kind, but upon the moral qualities of steadiness, staying power, and self-sacrifice. And Queen Elizabeth embodied those qualities, steadiness, staying power, self-sacrifice. And what stunning advice for us today. You know, many of us, we're fed this lie that if you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference, then you have got to be brilliant. You've got to be gifted and talented. You've got to bring your A game. We have such an emphasis on excellence and looks, branding, the show. We want instant success, immediate results. And we put so much pressure on ourselves and so much pressure on our leaders. And yet... I believe God would remind us today that if you want to make an impact, then consistently, 
day after day, week after week, year after year, being faithful, making wise choices, being surrendered. You can be used by God to do extraordinary things. God is not the God of the flash in the pan. God is the God of the ages who takes ordinary, normal people and does beautiful things consistently throughout history over time. The prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, writes this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In a fast-changing, confused world, time of so much uncertainty, unknowns. May we be a people who trust God, who put our confidence in him because his word says that if we are to do that, inspired and empowered by the spirit of the living God, then in season and out of seasons, through good times, through bad times, we can bear much fruit. We can see God's kingdom come and his will being done in our lives, in our communities, in our city by trusting in God and being faithful to him. And of course, living a steadfast life, a consistent faithful life is not easy. But the reason I believe we can all live this life is because we worship and we follow a steadfast, perfect and faithful God. It's only because of our confidence and certainty in his word and his promises that we can be sustained when life throws all that it does so often at us. It felt very poignant that in the moments where the Queen's death was being announced on television over Buckingham Palace, over Windsor Castle, a rainbow shone. Now, those of you who've read your Bibles, you know that a rainbow represents God's promise and God's covenant to his people. In Genesis 9, verse 16, it says, Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Be encouraged today, whatever you're facing, whatever challenge and trial you're going through, whatever crisis you are confronted by, your heavenly Father has made a promise to you that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he will always provide. Even in an energy crisis, he will always provide. He will always protect and he will always sustain because he alone is steadfast. The third thing I've been inspired by the life of Queen Elizabeth II is that she spoke out. Arguably, Queen Elizabeth was one of our nation's most prominent evangelists. She was clear on the importance of her faith in Jesus Christ. She used her leadership and her influence to communicate and to speak out regarding the centrality, the divinity, and the good news that could be found in Jesus. In her Christmas messages, time and time again, she'd point people to Jesus. Her message in 2011, she says this, Although we are capable of great acts of kindness... History teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. 
God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a savior with the power to forgive. Key moments in our history. She would point people to Jesus. And over the next weeks and months, we're going to be speaking more and more about this call and this urgency and the need for us as the people of God, followers of Jesus, to grab hold of this invitation to be heralds, proclaimers of the good news. We need to be a people that proclaim the good news of Jesus wherever we go. The Apostle Peter, he writes this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think the Queen did that in a profound and beautiful way. And and my prayer for us, my prayer for myself and my family is, Lord, awaken a passion within me to tell people about the life-changing love that is available in Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, could we see an awakening in our churches, in our cities, in our nations again as people return to you. Lord, shake us up from our lethargy. Shock us where our hearts and our minds and our souls have become deadened to the wonder of who you are and for the glory of your name change our nation that is my prayer it's time for us to speak out as I close I've been reflecting this week on a passage of scripture in Isaiah 6 again a moment where the people of Israel are in turmoil so much change So much transformation, so much uncertainty, and God speaks profoundly to his prophet Isaiah. It was a time where Isaiah and uh, and the people of um, Israel were seeing incredible change. There was an amazing sense of achievement and innovation in the nation. But alongside all this progress, there's this kind of darker side going on. What was happening was the rich were getting richer. And as the rich were getting richer, they were becoming more and more oppressive, more and more corrupt. And they were um, abusing others so that they could gain selfishly. And there was this constant pursuit of personal pleasure and greed. And the nation was just rife with injustice, leaders just dishonoring God and living for themselves. Does it sound at all familiar? And in this moment where wealth and affluence had led to many people having a diminished view of God, God had been pushed further and further to the margins of society. In that turmoil, the king, Uzziah, dies. And in that year, God, reveals himself in a stunning, significant way to Isaiah. Isaiah 6, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. They didn't have smoke machines back then. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Send me. This passage starts with an incredible unveiling, an incredible vision of God in all His glory, high and lifted up. And the sight for Isaiah was so overwhelming, so completely otherly, so like nothing he'd ever seen before that he fell down and he said, Woe to me, I am ruined. He was so aware of his frailty and his brokenness and his sin. And he was so aware of the perfect, holy, awesome, terrifying, glorious God. I believe this is a moment where God wants to reveal himself afresh to us. Seek the Lord why he may be found. I believe this is a moment where God is wanting to reveal himself. We're going to seek the Lord in a week or so. We've got a reset. I want to encourage us. We need to gather and pray at this critical moment in our nation's history. But I believe that God wants to awaken us. God wants to shock us. The tragedy The tragedy with so many in the church is we get comfortable with God. It's like he's a kind of assistant who walks alongside us. And occasionally when we're in a bit of trouble, we remember to pray. Or occasionally we remember to thank him. Or occasionally we sort of get our Bibles out. But I believe God wants to reveal himself in the way he did to Isaiah. Where we are so overwhelmed. We're in meetings where people are just undone by the holiness and the love and the presence of God because when that happens what happens God begins to purify us when we recognize how far we have fallen short how in desperate need we are for salvation and mercy God is quick through the blood of Jesus to forgive us and then what happens when the church and the people of God are forgiven he begins to commission them to send them out. He says, who's going to go for me? There's a world that needs to know that the hope is to be found in God Almighty. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. How can I live for anything other than you after what I have seen? I'm not going to live my life purely just to build a comfortable existence for myself and my family. How could I ever live a life for such a small thing as my own celebration and the glory of my own name? Because I have seen the Lord Almighty high and lifted up and His train and the robes fill the temple and smoke and glory surrounds Him. And I'm going to give my life, whatever you send me, whatever it looks like, whatever the cost, here I am, send me. A friend of mine tells the story of his grandfather is at the point where King George, the Queen's father, had died. And that Sunday, he attended a church service, and the preacher was preaching on Isaiah 6. And his preacher said, I wonder if there's any person here who, like the prophet Isaiah, will answer God's call. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? My friend's grandfather, as a young man, went to the front and said, Here I am, God. Send me. And there began a life lived devoted to Jesus Christ. He he became a Methodist minister and his family line have actually had a very profound impact on the church, on this nation. In this moment of sorrow and uncertainty, it's a time of great challenge 
economic crisis, an energy crisis, war in the Ukraine. Again, we've been reminded over the weekend of the injustice going on around us. This young guy, Chris Caber, shot dead by the police and he was just about to become a father and now an investigation about potential homicide and we're just aware of the injustice and the evil of racism and the trauma of all of this that still very much exists in our nation and we look around in so many ways and perhaps you sometimes look within and you look at the state of your family and it's like oh God have mercy have mercy what is the hope And in all the speeches, all the amazing tributes, it's fascinating watching these leaders and politicians and celebrities trying to sort of articulate hope and what the future is. But none of them seem to really be able to do it. I was listening this morning to Michael Mpurgo, the the brilliant children's author, and he, he wrote a little speech about the Queen and he starts with this question. What and who are we to look to at this time of great need. Now, he didn't really answer it effectively in my mind. There's all this talk about courage. Come on, dig deep. you got so much strength within you. You know, together we can get through anything. Again, it's a lie of the age. It's a lie of progress that if we just simply try hard enough, if we walk closely enough with people, we can get through anything. But the truth is, people know it's not true. Deep down in their hearts, they know it's not true. They're searching, they're looking for anything, any guidance, any hope, any sense of meaning and purpose that can help them get through the hardships that so many face in this lifetime. And the stunning good news, the stunning truth of this book, the story of Jesus Christ is, yes, we do need saving, but you cannot save yourself. And you don't need to save yourself because there is a Savior who gave His life to free us, to save us. And we can have hope at this time of mourning and confusion. That hope is found in the name of Jesus. And the world desperately needs to hear this, that there is good news. There is one true King. And His name is Jesus. His throne will endure forever. He will never fail us. His glory will never fade. And His love is unending. And He has the power to save the one true King, Jesus Christ. We want to pray for King Charles III, but our hope is not in him. Our hope is in Jesus. And that's the message for us today, and it's the message for the world. So why don't we stand, and we're going to pray for God's kingdom to come. And I just believe this is a moment of fresh commissioning for each and every one of us to say, you know, whatever you think, whatever your views on the Queen, on the monarch, the royal family, we have to recognize these are, this is a significant moment in our nation. A completely new set of leadership. King, new prime minister. And historically, when big moments happen in a nation, these incredible windows of opportunity, windows of mercy for God to come and to rewrite a new story. And so that is our prayer. So Holy Spirit, Would you come and empower us and equip us? Would you come and comfort those who need comforting? 
those who are anxious and afraid and feel all at sea, would you come and bring peace, hope, assured confidence that you are with them? Just bring before the Lord, cast your cares onto Him, cares over your kids' health or well-being or cares over your finances, where you're going to live, cares over your future, cares over your job, your health, cast them onto Him. But Lord, we also in this moment, we, we don't want to waste this moment by floating through. We want to grab hold of this moment and say, Lord, would you reveal yourself afresh to us? And would you recommission us? We say again, here we are. Send us. Send us back into our places of study, back into our workplaces, but with a renewed confidence and authority of Christ. Send us wherever you want to send us, if it's to another country or another career path or to lay something down, to give something up. Lord, send us. We say, here we are. We surrender to you. begin to pray as well for our nation, for God's glory to come. Lord, reveal yourself. However you want to pray, whether it's quietly, whether it's in tongues, whether it's in English, whether it's your local language, your, your, your mother tongue, just begin to speak out, pray for God's kingdom to come. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us, Lord. Come and have your way, Lord, at this time in our nation, Lord. Pray for an awakening, for revival, a renewed sense of the glory of God being manifest here. We've got lots of time left to pray and worship, but I just want to start, but I just... We did this at the 9.30, it's beautiful, just to pray over those. And in some ways, hopefully it's most of us, but there are some here today, particularly like, right, God, here I am, send me. This is a new moment, a new day, like a line in the sand moving forward, whatever it is, send me. And if you want to be prayed for, and I believe as we pray for you, you're going to be anointed. I believe in years to come, there are going to be little moments. You know, my grandfather in 2022, when Queen Elizabeth died, he came forward and he was prayed for and anointed and look at what he's done. You know, my mum, she was there and God's power fell on her and she just radically lived this life sharing the love of Jesus wherever she went. I believe that can happen this morning because of the power of Jesus through His Spirit. So if you want to be recommissioned, why don't you just come now to the front, however old, however young, come. And we want to pray over you. Just wherever you are, push. if you're in the middle of an aisle, elbow your way, you have permission to stand on the chairs. If you break them, we won't charge you for it. Nick Herbert will personally cover the cost. <laughs> It's going to stamp on them really hard. <laughs> Just come right out to the front. Maybe take a step forward. There's so many people coming. So Lord Jesus, come. Come. If it's hard for you to get to the front, again, there's nothing magic about the front. Maybe just put a hand up or tap someone next to you and say, 
that's me. Can you pray for me? Just all over this building, if you, if you feel that, just ask, pray for me. It's a spirit from the front to the back. Would you fire for? Would you fire for? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.